Tom and that DLF family of podcasts. That's Tommy B. I'm the SFD. This is the Super Flex Super Show. And here we go. Tommy, how do you feel about talking about some rookies right now? You know what? I hate it, John. But <laughs> it's made better because we have somebody joining us today who I am so psyched to talk to. Somebody who has an entirely different way of thinking about dynasty fantasy football than I do. Totally different processes. So today I think is going to be the best day of the non-point scoring season to talk about rookies. See, I agree with every single bit of that, including the not wanting to talk about rookies. Uh, I've, I say that, I mean, every freaking episode. First of all, I recognize that we need to do it. Uh, the, the people who are gracious enough to listen uh, want to hear about some rookies, so we need to talk about it. But not only that, our, our guest, we're going to bring on Zach Reed. And uh, he he just he made a great point. I talked about this last week, but it, it there really is kind of an advantage to be gained by talking about rookies without the the context of the NFL draft. Uh, there's there because you know we're we're gonna we're gonna kind of create our own narratives once the draft happens. But right now, I mean, when you are just kind of looking at talent, there's a lot to glean. Uh, so uh, I, I, yeah, I, I just, I, we felt like this would be a very good conversation. I also, I, I, I just like that. I have that voodoo magic that I can just like get on here and say who I want to come on the podcast in the next week. Uh, they're going to do it. So, so J Mike, get ready. Uh, <laughs> so, but J Mike's co-host on dynasty dummies, Zach, Greed. He's also on the Dynasty Grind with the infamous Peter Howard, and uh, sometimes Dynasty Outhouse shows up. I I, I assume so. Um, and what uh, rookie hoot nanny's coming up in what Zach a week or two? Yeah, a couple weeks. I think we're going to roll out on the twenty second because I don't I don't want to get too close to Valentine's Day and and uh, upset any apple carts on, on home fronts of, of either J Mike or uh, or Matt Foreman. So I think we're pushing it to the 22nd, but there you uh, go. yeah, but we're, we're coming up on that time. I, you mentioned the rookies and not wanting to talk about it. And, and for me and Tommy, I know that you saw this tweet, but dynasty onion uh, about a week ago talked about how people shift their ideas. And, and during the rookie process, even though there's no information, people are shifting their thoughts and, and changing. And I like to get ahead of that and get my thoughts concrete and written down. And I don't change anything until after the draft. I do a, a pre-combine, my rookie rankings. I get all of my ideas. We do the hoot nanny. I, I do all of my rookie write-ups. Like right now, I've got kind of an outline of, of the rookies I've watched, but I do that specifically in the time frame I do it because I don't want to hear anybody else's process or thoughts. So I can kind of get my own estimation. I don't watch college football. I don't pay attention to college football at all. The only things I hear about college football happen on Twitter. And they're usually from, uh, you know, fantasy football from, from Devi guys. So, uh, like Felix Sharp or Travis May and that sort of thing. But I try not even listen to anything dealing with these incoming players until I can get a look at them because I want 
this to be my own evaluation. And then once I get that done, I'll open the doors up. I'll open the windows up. I'll listen to what everybody else has to say. I'll kind of figure out where I am. I'll figure out if I need to go back and watch some of these guys. I'll need if I need to go watch some of these guys. So like somebody like Peter Howard, who who is a, a metrics is a is a data analyst. He's got his spreadsheets and he can scrape data and he can he can look at 250 college players, right? He can scrape all that data and like put it in his his magical spreadsheet and and it hums and whirs and then all of a sudden it will spit out what what he thinks about this incoming class well he can cast that really broad net so he's like he's trawling i'm up in maine so i'm going to get a little like like seafood like he's he's trawling he's got the big net that he can cast out and i'm line fishing like it takes me tommy asked me this uh last week it, i've watched now probably 70 hours of film at the time, I'd watch probably 50 to 60. Mm-hmm. So for me to invest that amount of time, like I have to pick and choose the players that I'm going to look at. And so to have somebody like Peter, once I've once I've done my initial run through, to have somebody like Peter or Travis May or or somebody who's doing the David Wills, he's great with um with running, running backs. backs, yeah. Yeah. So, so I can go and look at their work once I've done my initial work and say, who did I miss or what did I see differently than they are seeing with the numbers? I can go back and watch and see if I see something or if I think they're just wrong. And that happens sometimes too. And, and if I'm going to get beat, I'm going to get beat on my fastball. I'm going to get beat on my film evaluation, not somebody else's evaluation. Yeah, see, and to, that's the part that I think is so important because, like, where I hate talking about rookies too early is when it's just kind of this this open conversation that includes the entire industry and everybody's opinions start to look the same, you know. Yeah. And 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 a lot of times they'll present it as as if it's something totally different. You've never heard this before, but <laughs> consider Marvin Harrison Jr at 101 in a super flex rookie draft. And it's like, no, I've heard that a million times. I thought it was stupid every single time. <laughs> like, no, it, it, even if it, we'll get into the whys of that in a second, but yeah, that's, that's why I think this is so important. Um, that, you know, the, the opportunity to kind of learn about these players and not learn about, uh, you know, what, what the consensus uh, right. It, it thinks about these players. Um, let's just learn about these players. So I think that's super important. Uh, I'm just kind of upfront before we even start breaking it down by position. Tell us something we don't know about this rookie class as a whole. Oh, something you don't know. That's a good question. I, I think obviously we've got that real top end of, of wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a player in the next five that really surprises us. This this wide receiving group as a whole, because we've got the 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 Harrison and the neighbors up top, everyone is is already on board with the wide receiver class. That next group of five players is as good as the top of the last. 
two or three classes. Like you'd have to go back to the the Jamar Chase class. Um, to, like the 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 players in that next group are getting for me graded similarly to uh, somebody like Garrett Wilson, and that like there's some really top end players I think in this class beyond those top two. Now yeah. the running back group is not as great, but but every class you have that like group of like five or six that are underneath that first two. So you have like mm-hmm. Bijan and you have Gibbs, and then you got like five guys that everyone's like, we don't know who's gonna break out, but well, this class, the top of this is that five man muddle. Like the top of the running back group is just like yeah, it, I'll take that. Yeah, it's I'll like take it's that. not it's not bad. Yeah. It's just not great. Yeah. Like I'll take some shots that you know, Roshan Johnson and, and Devin Achan and Ty J Spears, like I'll 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 swim in those waters all day, every day. In fact, I do it all the time. So um yeah, that's 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 kind of what I wanted to hear personally. Like yeah. that it, it in in all fairness is kind of confirmation bias for me, but um, you know, I like I just I want to think this about every rookie class is that, yeah, you don't have a Bijan Robinson coming in. You don't have a Brees Hall even. You don't have Josh Jacobs. You don't have guys like that. But you've you've got guys who are talented enough to climb an NFL depth chart and you've got opportunities all over the league. This, this is the most important point to me. Like, forget about what you think about the talent of the running backs. Forget about, you know, what you think of of the landscape of that position for the rookie class. And just think about the opportunities that are available that someone has to fill. And, like, just as, as a matter of fact, you know, like, necessarily somebody has to step up into some of these roles and it, 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 you know, if they're not there yet, they're about to be Cincinnati, San Francisco, you know, they're, they're going to be opportunities for somebody to fill. And these rookies, man, all they have to do is land in the right spot. It has nothing to do with their, their, their production in college beyond that. Absolutely. And you heard me say this before, but running back is an elevator. Mm-hmm. Wide receiver is an escalator. Running back is an elevator. Like the the way targets work with wide receivers, the guy that gets hurt, the guy who comes in to fill in is not getting all of his targets. Those are getting dispersed. Targets go to the talented receiver, and and so they get dispersed differently. Where a running back comes in, they're getting carries. There's not another running back on the field, or or maybe you're getting a little bit of a split, but like. You're getting carries, so running back is that elevator. And you don't have to, to your point, you don't have to find a B. John Robinson. You don't have to find Jameer Gibbs. You don't have to find Brees Hall. You can find Kyron Williams. You can find Brian Robinson. Like, you can find those players who are valuable in the fantasy context because they get opportunity and they have enough talent to to do that. And that's another reason why I like to do my rankings pre-draft and Mm pre-combine because there are players like – so Kyron Williams was my running back. It was either two or three in that class. And I have to go back and look to be really sure, but he was in the top three and Brian Robinson was four or five. Yeah. So for me, once the combine hit, 
once the draft hit, the value, the 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 community take on those players crashed. Right. Right. <laughs> like it just went in the tank. Tyron yeah. Williams is too slow. He ran a whatever it was, a four, six, five, 40 yard dash. He may not have finished yet. We're not sure. <laughs> but in my in my pre-combine rankings, that's a player I like. So all of a sudden, instead of having to draft him in the in the early second, I could draft him in the third. So I got a full round of value because I evaluated pre-draft and pre-combine. Whereas if I had waited, I would have had that same bias of oh he's slow. But I don't care that he's slow when I'm watching film. I'm I'm watching him be successful. Right. And and so it's it's a matter of do these and it's almost problem solving, especially with running back. It's is do they have the ability to solve the problem of we need to get four yards and then something you know and and whatever situation they're presented in, can we get a net positive? Can we keep going? Can we can we do that? And if they can, if they have the ability to me. To be able to do that, I don't care how they're doing it. It's the old, you don't ask how, just if, mm -hmm. you know? So uh, that that to me is an, is another situation where, and yes, it's way too early. It is. And Tommy, like, I, I'll be the first one to admit, this is dumb. It's diminishing returns. Uh, I don't get as much out of it fantasy-wise as the time I put into it. But I enjoy it. I have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun talking. Like that's one of the best parts about doing the rookie film work is mm -hmm. I can come on and talk with you guys, and it's oh, it's yeah. great. I have something to contribute. We can I can I can annoy John because we're you know it's <laughs> February six and we're we're talking <laughs> rookies. Uh, they're not even rookies yet. They're they're like pre rookie. Like they're they're not even technically. They don't even yet. have they're agents just, yet. No. Yeah. <laughs> And, and not uh, only that, but we're talking about rookie wide receivers. That's just like, <laughs> that's my that's nightmare. The <laughs> that's the best. <laughs> you mentioned the escalator. And it's like, in my mind, I see the, the long walkway leading up to the escalator at the wide receiver position now. And so I'm, I'm wanting to focus on quarterbacks. This is, this is the super flex super show. <laughs> Tell me about the quarterbacks in this rookie class. Cause I'm in, I'm enticed even as somebody who, doesn't necessarily draft rookie quarterbacks because I, I like the veteran profiles. This class does have me intrigued. So I haven't watched enough of the quarterbacks to really give you a firm, like this guy's going to be that. And, and, but I have watched enough Caleb Williams and, and not specifically watching Caleb Williams because I've watched a couple of his receivers and I've, I've watched a little bit of Brock Bowers. It's hard not to watch Brock Bowers, man. Mm -hmm. I was watching yeah. Lad McConkey film and I'm, I'm watching Brock Bowers, but, but Caleb Williams, I watched, uh, I watched Brendan Rice and I'm watching Brendan Rice and all of a sudden you see Caleb Williams feet in the pocket and they're really like, it's like super happy feet. And I'm like, Dude, like, what do you do? And like, he'll escape and make a play. Oh, what do like? Mm. So, I, like, I have to go. I'm gonna have to go back and watch him for that. Uh, Jaden Daniels is interesting at LSU again because I've watched Neighbors, because I've watched Brian Thomas Jr. You see some of him. He's incredible. He, he has uh, really good. Deep ball accuracy, 
gets the ball downfield, gets the ball in places like where only his receiver can get it, is also that running threat. You're going to hear him compared to Lamar Jackson, and I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to do that. Like I'm not ready. Like don't, I know you. I know you're already talking rookie wide receivers. We don't need but Lamar I, Jackson on top of them. But I, look, so like I know you don't. You're not a Lamar Jackson guy. The thing Lamar Jackson does better than anybody in the NFL at quarterback is create with his legs. Yeah. Right. And he was incredible in college. I think Jaden Daniels is a better thrower coming out of college than than Lamar Jackson was. Lamar Jackson was still learning, uh, kind of coming through at Louisville. I, mm -hmm. I remember and somewhere I've got a clip of this, but I remember talking about Lamar Jackson coming out. Lamar Jackson was my QB one in that class. And the reason he was the QB one was obviously his legs are crazy and you have the Konami code rushing it with quarterbacks, but you have to be able to stay on the field and you have to be able to, to throw the ball enough to maintain, you know, possession of the quarterback position. Mm -hmm. And I watched Lamar Jackson progress. You watch him as a freshman and like his initial read is I'm going to run. You watch him as a sophomore and he drop back and he'd go like, one read, run. You watch him as a junior, and he dropped back, and you would go through progressions. He would read zone coverage and throw the ball to the holes in the zone. Like, he was actually doing quarterback things, and that's another reason why I like to watch a progression of players. So, like, when I watch film, it's not just, like, three games. It's not just highlight. I start at the beginning of their career, and I watch two or three games. I'll go to the next year and watch two or three games. And then I'll watch and I'll kind of round it out. I watch between eight and 14 games of every player that I watch. But I, I like to see them progress. I like to see them identify flaws. And if you can't make those flaws, you know, part of your superpower, at least you're able to mitigate them and figure out how to work around them. And like some guys don't do that. And and to me, it's frustrating. Like if you see a player come in and like plateau, that to me is is frustrating. If you see a player like what Lamar did, DK Metcalf is a uh, an example that I always give because he came in as a as a freshman and like couldn't get off press coverage, which is ridiculous for a guy that size. Like you ought to be able to at least like hand fight, swipe, chop, and be able to get off. By the time he finished college, he had three distinct moves off press and like to be able to understand and then like work and mold yourself to be able to do that, to be able to progress. That to me is huge, especially in the NFL where the NFL is not developmental. Like you have to be working on yourself because the coaching staff doesn't have time to do that. They're, they're preparing for the next team. So they're not making you better. You're expected to be better. And and to see players that can progress. So now again, I, I got way off the quarterback class, but but to me, Jaden Daniels is a better thrower than Lamar Jackson. Where he's going to struggle is at the end of his runs because he's a he's thin. Uh, he he's not a very not a very big. He's tall. He's six three, but he's not a very big player, and he runs a lot. And holy cow, I get, I get a DM thread with J-Mike where it's just clips that I've cut off of YouTube 
and I send him of Jaden Daniels just getting exploded at the <laughs> end of runs. And I'm like, that's not, that's not what I want. Like that's, I want him to, to make that run and then give himself up five yards before he gets hit because, you know, no offense to the SEC linebackers, but they're not all NFL caliber linebackers. Yeah. Like they're like, like 50% of them are going to be, but they're not all the 260 pound guy who can run a four or five, who's going to put you, you know, into the hospital. But when you get to the NFL, weird thing about it is everybody's NFL caliber. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. The Indianapolis Colts can, uh, can, can yeah. testify <laughs> for this right now. Like that, that's, that's the stuff that scares me because that's, that's how it felt with Anthony Richardson too. This guy yeah. doesn't know how to protect himself and he's in the blue tent, a, a minimum of once a game you know, before they shut him down for the season after only what three games, like yeah. that, that's the last thing that we want from another quarterback that we're taking top three and that we're trying to elevate because of the rushing upside. So uh, it, like if, if that you got to hope that he lands in a situation where they're just instantly going to start to try to coach that stuff out of him, you know, well, like, and he can't like, he can pocket like he can he has a a cannon and does a really good job throwing the football uh, well i mean he he maintained marvin harrison and brian thomas who were both thousand yard receivers this year uh you know both over 60 catches like he, he is a very good quarterback but but that it, it is scary like there there is that drawback that downside of what happens when he runs and doesn't get down? Yeah, it's it's tough too, right? Because, uh, like on one hand, so we've kind of seen the blueprint. Josh Allen is really kind of the the extreme example of this. But basically, kind of the the way to uh, to ease an NFL quarterback in and give them the greatest chance of success, you really kind of start with. Just let them play into their strength, whatever they feel like that is. And that's why you saw them running so much early on. And then they kind of slowly brought around, kind of like you were talking about with Lamar Jackson in college. It's it's the same thing once they get to the program, pro game too. You almost have to start over with that progression. Start with your just what your instincts um, and what keeps you moving the chains. Um, and you know, just, just go do that, go freestyle. And then we'll kind of slowly rein that in over the course of time until you're perfectly comfortable just running a pro style offense. And so like, that's kind of what we want for Jaden Daniels. But at the same time, if his instincts are to, to run and get killed, then <laughs> I, I, I don't know what we're supposed well, to do with that. Well, but you're also, I mean, you're also talking about a, a guy who is completing around 70% of his passes the last two years at, at LSU in the SEC. So it's, yeah. it's not like we're not talking Josh Allen, even Lamar Jackson, where, where you're hoping he's going to be, you know, 63, 64%. Like this is, this is a guy who can sling it. He can throw the ball and he, and he can, all levels of the field. Like he's not just a, uh, not just a downfield thrower. Like he can, he can uh, manipulate defenses and throw to all levels. 
but it is like it's there's going to be that question in in the back of your mind and he's also like again he's also a little bit older like th that's going to be the you're going to hear this about this class a lot and i think probably the next two classes because we've got the the covid year we've got the ability to transfer without penalty and and so you're going to have i mean there are a couple of running backs who are going to be 25 in november Mm -hmm. Like 25 years old in November, like we're we're getting rid of running backs at 27, right? You know, like in in Dynasty, like that's the, the like that's what we're doing. We're doing it's a little Leo DiCaprio, but like we're we're getting rid of them at, at 27 or or so. And and you got guys coming in that are older. You got quarterbacks coming in that are older. Michael Penix, I'm pretty sure has a doctorate. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like he was in school six years, so like that's 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 a doctorate, right? Pretty close. But like that's that's going to be the thing. And if you're an ageist, and you're going to hear a lot of a lot of people will say that. A lot of people will give you instead of. Uh, I think Peter Peter goes by year, like like breakout year. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will give you breakout age, and this class is going to get knocked a lot for that because you've got players again who 2019 2020 were either not playing or played a partial season or played a spring season and then transferred so like you you've got a weird amalgam and it's going to be that way for the next couple of years i'll be interested for me to see what the metrics side of the house does to account for this because they they got to do something i think yeah, you or would think. I, yeah, I mean, it, it, this is just kind of the the overall trend, you know. It's so it, nil. I think is probably a big part yeah. of this. You have to adjust for that, and that's why I always I, I with running backs, I like to talk more about usage than age. Yeah. Um, and it's you know it's it it should really kind of be the same thing. It should be all right. Yeah, he's coming in at twenty five years old, but like how much how much damage has he taken? How much? Um, you know, for a quarterback, how many throws has he already attempted uh, at this point? I mean, if they're just kind of bouncing around from one backup job to the next, uh, then you know, I'm not, I'm not nearly as concerned about it. Um, someone like Spencer Rattler, though, who's been in college for, I mean, longer than I can remember. Uh -huh. Like I, I, he, were, we were probably in college at the same time at this point. <laughs> And but he everywhere he lands, he's in a starting job somewhere. So it's like, man, how many how many more throws does he have in that? Arm? And it's a moot point with him. But, you know, just kind of that's something that we're going to have to account for. Yeah. Like he and Penix and Bo Nix, like it's just been man, like they've been around for. I'm pretty sure Bo Nix was in the first NCAA football game one on the PS2 back in the back in the day. Like I I know I know you know, but like it's it's going to be this interesting piece that we're going to have to contend with as as dynasty uh, managers. It's it's not such a big deal for the NFL, I don't think, because they're going to play with the players who are there, and that's fine. But at least in terms of the way the community thinks about value. Mm -hmm. like if a guy comes into the league old, he has no value. I mean, it's the, the Najee Harris thing where when Najee Harris came in and he had two very good years, but it didn't matter because he was old when he came in. And, and so I think you're going to, you're going to see a lot of that. You, 
you're going to be right in your element, John, because I think that the running back class gets pushed down even further because of that. There's going to be a, a lot of value in the the mid late second, early third, late third. Like that range is going to have some running backs. I mean, they're going to have warts. They're, they they may take Geritol. Who knows? But you know, it's it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting value proposition in that area. And I'm looking forward to that for sure. So the in terms of the quarterbacks. Well, first of all, how many do you see? How many first round uh, caliber quarterbacks do you see here? So this is going to be funny because this is not like I don't I don't even care about the draft until it happens. So like I don't predict the draft. Like I have no idea. My yeah. my guess is there are probably going to be you're going to have Caleb Williams, you're going to have Drake May, you're going to have Jaden Daniels. Mm-hmm. My guess is you probably get Penix. Although I don't think he did himself any favors uh, in the island game, you know the the national championship. Like I don't I don't think he did himself any favors. But yep. so you're gonna have probably those four, and you may sneak in McCarthy too from uh, from Michigan. So like five. Yeah, yeah, McCarthy kind of a like trade back into the very end of the first round to get the fifth year option basically. Yeah. I mean, and, and look, some people like him. Some people like him as like the, the QB two. Like I've, I've seen this class is all over the place, but like I've seen people put him up because they think he's got tools. He's a toolsy guy. I, that's not how I evaluate. Like mm-hmm. I, I go and look and see what you do. And then I'll say, okay, well, you do these things sometimes, so maybe you can become that. But like, I'm looking more for uh, what players do repeatedly because I think that tells me more who they are. That's why I, why I chart the way I do. So I'm like plus minus chart. Like when I see something, I'll, I'll write down what it is and a plus. If he does it again, he gets another plus. If he does it again, I, he gets another. So I can go back and tell you like how many times – Marshawn Lloyd, the running back, uh, was able to uh, accelerate post line of scrimmage against Utah in 2023. Like I can go back and look at that. And then I can go back and look through his career, the games I've watched, whether he did that repeatedly or, you know, he got a, say, great feet in traffic. So, like, I, I've got – if he was able to uh, – traverse a hole where there were guys kind of all over the place down at his feet and he was able to get his feet up and, and get through. I can go back and look and see how many times he did that and whether that's something he does regularly or if that was a, a highlight play, because I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't want to say I don't care about them, but a highlight only counts as one for me. Like it's, it doesn't matter. Like you one hand catch on the sideline. It only counts one time for me. If you do it multiple times, Okay, now now I'm starting to think. Yeah, you got great feet on the sideline. You got good sideline awareness. You got the ability to high point. You got the ability to uh, make a play on a back shoulder throw. But it has to be repeated because to me, you are what you do. I don't want to have to dream on you. I want to see it and then be able to dream off that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I get that. Uh, Caleb Williams. Let's let's just talk about him just just for a second. So you said happy feet. Anything else that's that's scaring you out? Because we've been talking about him 
is a prospect for three, four years now. And like to a point where he's coming in with the same type of hype that we gave Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck, you know, guys like that along the way, how, how, how close or how far is he from that, that type of profile? So I think, so yes, the hype has been for a long time, but I think this past year it has cooled a little bit. You've got kind of the, people are sick of talking about him, sick of hearing about him. And so you've got that. But also, he did not put up the numbers this year that people were expecting. That mm-hmm. offense at USC changed a lot, and they didn't do him any favors. It was a little bit, uh, a little bit similar to the first couple of years of Justin Fields, where they're not running play action and they're not letting him bootlegging. Like Caleb Williams creates off platform and out of the pocket just incredibly. And if you're not allowing him to do that and and you're taking like a, a ton of of deep shots and and that like he that they didn't they didn't play to his strengths and so I think you're gonna see him through the kind of I don't want to say the casual evaluators but they're we're not we're not live right like there are a lot of people right. who are doing this casually <laughs> like myself included like I, I, like i am i am a even though i spend a stupid amount of time on this like i don't do this for a living i don't get paid for my my rankings my evaluations although this year i am pairing with fantasy cares and so there'll be a point where you can donate and you can get all my film write ups and everything through fantasy cares which i'm really excited about i've had uh, a couple of different opportunities in the past to to get paid for them, but it was never quite right. And this feels right where I'm not getting paid. We're we're getting money to to Fantasy Cares and Toys for Tots and and all the great charities that that Fantasy Cares does. But there are a lot of casual evaluators, and they're going to see the numbers. They're going to see Caleb Williams dropped off in you know in this past year, and. I think it's going to be there's going to be people that talk about Drake May being one. I think you're going to hear people. I mean, you're going to hear people talk about JJ McCarthy and like the tools and the big arm and all of this. And so I don't think it's quite as pronounced as what we've seen from some of these other quarterbacks that you're talking about coming out, the Trevor Lawrence and and that ilk. But I do think he's pretty close to that that echelon of court. Like this quarterback class, make like let's not get this twisted. Like this is a great quarterback class. That's mm-hmm. part of what makes the twenty the twenty twenty four class a good class. So when I look at a a class to evaluate for fantasy football, I'm looking at the quarterback class because we play super. This is a super flex super show, fellas. We play super flex here. Indeed. So. Yeah, so the quarterback is going to be the most important position. So you've got three, four, five potential quarterbacks that can start at an NFL level, okay? So that all of a sudden you've got a a great class, and you've got three that probably should go one, two, three, right? Mm -hmm. And and then I look at, okay, what does the running back class look like? What does the wide receiver class look like? Well, the running back class is not not great, nothing high end, but you got two absolutes. So you got two players in this class at wide receiver who are in the top 10 
of wide receivers that I've evaluated since 2017. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. That like, so here we are. So you've got, you've got three stud quarterbacks. You've got two top end wide receivers. You've got a, a tight end in Brock Bowers who is absolutely legitimate. And we're so all of a sudden now you're you're what you're two, three, five, six, you're six or seven players deep before you're sitting there going, all right, now I have a player that I want, but I don't have to have. Right? Right. Yeah. That's a great class. When was the last time we had a class where we were down to pick seven or eight before like, well, these guys are are good, but I could trade back and trade around and find other guys that I like. Like this is a this is a have to have top of top of this class, and and I think that that's what people miss. Like they 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 don't see a running back and they're like, oh, it's not a great class. You got to look at it in the aggregate because we're not just starting running backs. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're playing other other positions and getting. And I know maybe this is on, on this show not, <laughs> but like getting a top end uh, wide receiver matters. Like I, I know it. I know it. The quarterback matters more, and I know we'd rather have a top end running back because the points uh, that a top end running back, the points that Christian McCaffrey gives you, are going to be more than what Justin Jefferson gives you. And I'll, like I'm with, you. I would yeah. rather I break ties to running backs when I'm when I'm drafting in rookie rookie classes. If if I have a a, a tier where the running back and the wide receiver in the same tier, I'm drafting the running back because I want those points. But if I can go get Marvin Harrison or Malik Neighbors in this class and have, you know, a, a, a Justin Jefferson, an AJ Brown, a CD Lamb, you know, whoever it is that you that you want to to put up there, because because those are the those are the players, again, that that in in the last, well, I've been doing this. This is seven years. So in in the last seven years, like those are the names I've got my I've got my little four Peter. Uh, my rankings of the top guys, and it's Ceedee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Marvin Harrison, oh, wow. AJ Brown, Rondell Moore, <laughs> Jamar Chase, Corey Davis. There's another one. <laughs> DJ Moore, Malik Neighbors. Like that's like that's where we're at. Like, and those are a lot of hits out of out of ten guys. I mean, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, for sure. So so. If you can go get somebody who is going to be a cornerstone of your team in the first round, you can take Malik Neighbors at five or six. There, there are going to be people that put Romo Dunze over Neighbors. Yeah, and and so like you've got a chance to do the Justin Jefferson thing, where all of a sudden you're getting Neighbors at seven. There may be leagues Neighbors falls to eight because you know somebody likes Bowers and. And maybe somebody likes you know Brian Thomas or Xavier Worthy, like that could happen. And so, like again, it's, it's a, this is a great class, but it's not a great class because of like specific players. It's a great class because you have so many really good players, and and the high end. There's a really big group of high end players. Like usually, if we get three in a class, that's a great class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like part of the, 
I mean, you lean into what you're given, right? Like that's that's kind of the game here. So, uh, like, it's not super useful for us to say, yeah, don't draft rookie wide receivers when it's like, but that's all there there really are for it. So, what are we supposed to do? Um, so, you know, like it in the context of this class, it's yeah. I mean, you you target these wide receivers and you're and you're happy with and it, it sounds like they're at least you know to my mind and we'll talk about wide receivers in a second but it sounds like uh it's a it's it's a fairly deep class too considering um uh, the talent that we're getting so you know it, it's like there you've got multiple opportunities here to potentially get a high-end wide receiver and wide receivers have a little bit of uh they they've got more autonomy uh when it comes to climbing that escalator essentially like if if they can command targets they're going to yeah. be good you know um so you, you know like there's there you've got a good chance at, like cuz these guys are going to be on the field that's the thing the running backs once they get on the field they've got a massive workload but getting off the sideline and getting into the into the game is kind of the the trick that's kind of what we're trying to to cultivate uh but with the wide receivers i mean they're going to be on the field it's just can they get the quarterback's attention and the oc's attention yeah. um we've got a bunch of guys here who can potentially do that so yeah like i said lean into the to what the class is where it frustrates me is when like people have to go even have to take it a step further than uh, you know, just being excited about the wide receivers who are going to be available in those super flex rookie drafts after the quarterbacks are gone, and we start <laughs> the and it starts to become oh man, like Marvin Harrison Jr. one hundred and one, take him over Caleb Williams, take and you know next we're ta- we're talking about well, you know I was hoping for that Marvin Harrison Jr. was going to be there for me at one hundred and two. But now he's going one on one, so I guess I've got to go Malik Neighbors at number two. Next thing you know, we're just pushing these quarterbacks down for absolutely no reason other than this is kind of the fairy tale that people want to tell themselves. That's the part where I start to feel like, all right, this is it's not that this is a bad rookie class; it's that this is a rookie class that uh, it's 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 booby trapped. And I think part of that is we've got that anchoring. And I know that uh, CJ Stroud was great this year, but we've got that. We've got that Bryce Young. We've got the Zach Wilson. We've got the, I mean, even Trevor Lawrence, who was supposed to be the next big thing and then kind of petered out. Like we've, we've got a lot of that in kind of the, the fantasy zeitgeist where, CJ Stroud didn't didn't make us really believe in quarterbacks because he wasn't most people's quarterback one. Mm-hmm. Like and and he was he was my two, but it was by meh. It was it was one of those where you're like, I don't know, I think he's gonna be good. Like my like my CJ Stroud write-up was like laundry scouting is dumb. It doesn't <laughs> matter what laundry he's gonna wear because he's gonna be good. The guy yeah. was because everyone was like, "Oh, he played at Ohio State. He's, he's not going to be good." Look at all these Ohio State quarterbacks that came out. And I'm like, 
fellas, this is the guy who supported every number one wide receiver in the last four drafts. Like this is <laughs> so maybe maybe he's okay. Like we'll we'll give him a little a little credit, but but I, I do think that that part of part of that is where people are worried about quarterbacks. People are worried about rookie quarterbacks. People are worried quarterback, like it's a crapshoot. And I'll be the first it one can to be. like I'll be the first one to like I watch quarterbacks and I've been like marginally successful watching quarterbacks, but I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's the hardest position to to why, especially if you're uh, if you're a casual film watcher, if you're not an NFL scout, if you don't have interactions with the coaching staffs of the colleges of the players that you're watching, you don't necessarily understand the concept. You don't understand what the play was supposed to be. You don't understand what his read is supposed to be. You don't understand if he if he actually did something, you know, maybe off script that he wasn't supposed to do and was successful, but but is not something that is going to work out, you know, like, so scouting quarterbacks is really, really difficult. And to me, like looking at three good ones, I don't, I don't know how as a, as a super flex player, I don't know how you can pass that up. Like it's, we don't have a generational running back. Yeah. I am hesitant to use the term generational on any of these. Like Marvin Harrison's really good. He's not the best player I've ever graded. That was CD yeah. Lamb. Like CD Lamb's the best player I've ever graded. He's not, he's not CD Lamb. He's not Justin Jefferson. He's like he's in the top five. He's he's very good. But if I've seen if I've seen two guys that are better than he is, and another guy who graded out even in the past six years, he's not generational. Mm-hmm. Like he's good, he's very good. He may be a superstar, but like he's like we're not looking at Calvin Johnson, we're not. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing that like the other the other part of the equation, John, that I think is frustrating to you. I know it's frustrating to me. Is we live in a world now where fantasy analysis has to be loud, it has to be hot, Definitive. it has to be different to the point where people are stopping to look. Mm-hmm. And that I think is where you're getting a lot of the Marvin Harrison one-on-one. You're, you're probably getting some people who don't play Superflex, and, and then yeah, fine. Marvin Harrison one-on-one. Yeah. Cause there's, there's been a lot of crossover. It's been interesting. And, and I, I know Tommy, you're, you're newer to the, the scene yeah. and I love it. Like I, I, and we shout you out on the on the dynasty dummies all the time because I love your perspective. I love the fact that you are making it making a difference being different. And I love that. I love that idea. I love tipping the status quo on its head. You know me, I'm all about finding the edges where they are. But I think that right now there's been such an influx since 2021 of people who played redraft and and kind of got locked in their house found twitter found dynasty and so it's it's this real kind of different mentality it's it's gotten a lot quicker you're seeing a lot of people come in like play a year in a league and leave you're seeing a lot of uh like redraft mentality in in the way people draft which is fine but you also got to figure out how to rec- cover from that and i think that if it, it 
creeps into rookie drafting, just reap the value. Like take like if if people are letting you get Caleb Williams at, at three, awesome. If they're letting you get him at two, awesome. I mean, it was the same way last year. And I was a Bijan guy. Like I think if Bijan, if Bijan is Christian McCaffrey, that's that's more valuable than not all but two quarterbacks. So whatever that is, two divided by thirty-two. Like it, it's it's all all but two quarterbacks. Christian McCaffrey is more valuable than if Bijan is Christian McCaffrey, which he has the potential to be. Like he is he is that dude. Yep. Like then maybe but other than that like i'm not taking a wide receiver over a quarterback unless i think you know unless i think he's no not even if i think that because I, I don't think a wide receiver can give you the the separation from the field the positional advantage that a quarterback can and if he doesn't give you that positional advantage i'd rather have the quarterback that's exactly it yeah it's it's the 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 lack of differentiation. The other thing I was having this conversation today with somebody and, and, you know, they threw out the term generational talent with me talking about Marvin Harrison jr. Um, which first of all, it's comforting to hear that he's not <laughs> really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But the other thing is, I mean, we've had a lot of, we've had wide receivers that are can't miss, generational talent quote unquote we've had that come into the league a lot and you know since it worked with calvin johnson after that it's happened it's worked what once jamar chase was the last the only time that the best wide receiver in a class was uh had that had that type of hype coming in like most of the time Depends on who you're talking to. I mean, who well, yeah, the best wide receiver was in the class. I mean. <laughs> right, right. But this, I, and again, this is why this, that's why this is so important because, uh, you know, if if people could have tuned out the noise, and uh, and you know, just kind of thought about, uh, you know, just just talent and how's it going to translate to the pro game, it would they would have been taking Justin Jefferson over uh, who was it that year uh, like uh, oh, it was lamb i mean i i had lamb Jerry, over judy. Oh, it was lamb jefferson yeah and then like a, a mishmash of judy jalen rager like yeah yeah that was yeah i feel like judy was kind of the one getting the most hype going in um lamb was close but yeah like it, you you would have dodged a bullet there and in most classes that's kind of the case like first of all um, forget about whoever, if they're saying, when they're saying Traylon Burks is the number one wide receiver. Yeah. Go, go, go with Garrett Wilson, because that's <laughs> like the probability says that that's the guy who's going to hit, um, or anyone other than Traylon Burks. Quite yeah, honestly. I missed on that one, but yeah, I, I mean, like I, yeah, I, I kind of did. Uh, I, I liked Garrett Wilson better, but, um, the, I mean, honestly, that's kind of what informed my opinion, though, was kind of the, the fact that everyone was saying he can't miss. Well, and, and, and it's just the when worst. They, sorry, when they the, say that, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. No, the, the worst part about Burks was it was the trade up or trade the, the trade AJ Brown to, to get the pick to take Burks. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, because Burks go. looked like. 
like rough AJ Brown. Like the the post catch and that sort of thing, but he didn't separate quite like AJ Brown. Like that was my one knock on Burks is like you're looking at him and you're like, man, I don't know how he's making those plays because he's like a half step open. Yeah. As opposed to three steps. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um Tommy, like I so I know the answer to this question. But just to kind of um, restate it here, right right at this moment, what are you doing with rookie picks? What am I doing with rookie picks? Yeah. I'm trying to get to the 101, um, if possible, consolidate upward. Mm -hmm. And that's strictly to cash out in two months. I am loath to make a pick. I don't want to make any of these picks. I'm, I'm optimistic on all that you've said about having 101 through 106, maybe 107, I get the excitement, but I just, I can't do it, y'all. I can't make 50-50 bets. First round wide receivers are 50-50 bets just to hit, just to be a top 24 wide receiver. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall into that Venus flytrap. Quarterbacks, I'm a little bit more inclined to do that, but once we get to March, April, May, I know that I can get Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, those types of profiles that have hit and just not even take the risk on a Caleb Williams, a Drake May, because I know that I can buy back in. Right now, the only uh, now second-year quarterback that's untouchable is C.J. Stroud, right? Just wait for him to have a meniscus tear, you know, in week seven. Then we're going to have an opportunity to buy in. You can buy Anthony Richardson right now. He's not really that expensive. He's what QB eight or nine in dynasty ranks right now. That's affordable for what I've seen with that profile in the limited snaps that we've, we've seen with the Indianapolis Colts. Those are better bets to me. That said, I need to familiarize myself with this class. And that's why I'm so grateful for you, Zach, is because I have to know what other people are thinking. I have to know what's happening underneath the water, where, where the tides are taking me because I don't control the dynasty market, but I can certainly navigate it by just opting out of some of these pitfalls and understanding where the better bets lie. And so that's why I just, I love what you do with the hoot nanny. I love whenever you're on, on the mic because you have a process Zach that is almost like an educator. It's pedagogical. It's, it's, renaissance like where you're curious you investigate you dig into these things with an open mind and then you stay away from some of the absolutes and so it's folks like you that the dynasty space should be following for this advice not me certainly not me no like well and and there's a reason why we're the dummies like <laughs> the, the whole idea of the dynasty dummies is we don't know and so we're we're getting pieces from everybody and and kind of turning them over and, and seeing if they fit and if they do, then great. And if they don't, then we toss it and, and move on. Like I'm I'm more than happy to cop to standing on the shoulders of giants and and like don't yourself included again, like this this show being able to uh attack not only the quarterback position, but the quarterback position with such a different lens and both of you do you know do it differently 
but yeah. similarly like you know what i mean like you you you're making sure you're you're different uh and that sets you apart and i think this tommy to to your point about not wanting to make rookie picks this will be a beautiful draft for you because <laughs> no like seriously because if you if you have a draft class that everyone gets excited about invariably there are going to be more players that people are excited about than there are actually like talented players or will be successful players in the NFL. And like, I try not to be over the top with, with my evaluations and praise. And like, again, like looking at this class, like there are three quarterbacks, two receivers and a tight end that, that I want. And that doesn't happen very often. Like there aren't often players where I'm like, I'm I want to go get them. Which means that there are going to be another five or six players that everybody else wants. There's going to be Romo Dunze. There's going to be Brian Thomas. There's going to be I mean Peter Howard and I both have Xavier Worthy as our wide receiver three. Nobody's talking about Xavier Worthy. The closer to the the draft when he comes out in the combine and and runs fast and and if he, if he runs, I guess that's the thing now. Nobody runs. But, you know, if he comes out and, and runs or if he comes out and does a three cone and, and, and you know, people will get excited when he goes in the first round, you know, you're, you're going to have more of this uh, cacophony, more drumbeat, and it's going to be better for you. And, that like, that's how, to me, that's how I play – the the back so from like pick usually pick four on although this year I got an extra one or two but like that's how I play like those those are either if if Justin Jefferson falls if AJ Brown falls I'm gonna make that pick if not I can trade a first round pick because it says first in front of that it's a first right mm -hmm. people have this idea that a first round pick is something well, the 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 back end of the first round, like you talked about it being a 50-50 proposition, it it gets progressively less likely yep. the further away from that one-on-one that you get. Like we've we've gotten a lot better as a community at, at identifying players who are going to be successful. We're not perfect, and and I'm far from it, but we've gotten better. Like since I started playing dynasty, I started playing dynasty in 2014. And like that rookie class was great, but the way the rookies were ranked and the way we drafted that class, Bishop Sankey, like it was not great. And, and so we have started to be better, but we still overvalue our, uh, our opinion and overvalue our ability to, and I'm a, I'm a big Daniel Kahneman. Uh, he, he's a, a, a a brilliant uh, behavioral economist and won the Nobel prize. And a lot of, I'm actually listening to one of his books right now. And a lot of what he's delving into is this idea of people who are stockbrokers who play the market overvalue their ability to predict the market. Yep. And, yep. and, and, and like, I'm sitting there just like nodding my head. Like this is, this is exactly fantasy football where even the best, even the, the very best analysts 
are are maybe hitting it like 55 or 60 percent and that's like that's being really kind like really kind that's the problem of having great data is you think you can beat the market and so you take more outlier bets than you necessarily need to sometimes and that that leads me to something that's really been on my mind really ever since the season ended every year there's a bailout point in rookie drafts where you say hey I just want to kick this draft pick to a random future first. Do you have any concept of where that is this year? So for me right now, that is probably going to be, well, I mean, we're about the 107. Like, like that's, that's about where we're at. 106, 107. And usually it's earlier, like, and depending on where, but like, that's, that's where I am. Like once I once I get into and I look, I like Xavier Worthy. Once I get into Xavier Worthy, Brian Thomas, Romo Dunze, Tez Walker, like I'm willing to kick the can down down the road because I think some of those players are going to be good. I'm not good enough to be able to tell you which one is going to be good or which two are going to be good. And so I would rather either kick the can to the next class or the class after, although I don't do that as often as I do trade for players. So what, what I do is identify classes because I do rookie work and because I listen to Travis May and I listen to uh, you know some of these really good Debbie guys, they'll be able to tell me, oh, the 25 classes, okay, got a couple of running backs. The 26 classes, okay. This class, we were able to identify because, again, there are smarter people than I am saying, "Yeah, this is there. This is pretty deep. There, there's this, there's that." So, I'll buy into classes before I have evaluated. I'll do my evaluation and then figure out if I'm going to stay in it or if I think people are overrating. But, but I try to. I try to attack classes or proven assets. And so to me, and back to your point about the picks only being 50-50, if you know that you have uh, a player, let's say right now, um, Devontae Smith is, is to me very undervalued. Like if you're if you're looking at, at ADP and you're looking at kind of the general consensus, because he's a wide receiver too, he can't be very good. And he's a wide receiver too on his team. It's not like four of those guys are top 24 receivers every year. That Whatever. Um, so I would rather be able to identify somebody who is on the, the Roma Dunze train and trade that pick and acquire a player that I think is going to be what everyone hopes that Roma Dunze is like, and, and get that. And so that's how, to me – Rather than trading for a future first, and I know that that conceptually and as a as kind of a, a a game, it's valuable to be able to like pick that point, but it's not a future first that I want because I want specific classes first, mm-hmm. and and so it's not just not just trading for a first. Although like in season, I'll do that or I'll trade for a first because you know there's the value arc of first round picks. You know that that in season they're going to go low. And then once once everything happens with the playoffs, they're going to start to come back. And then you're going to hear the in February, you know, we're going to start talking rookies, and and there's going to be that kind of crescendo that happens, and and the value is going to 
you know, escalate until you get to the so like I'm not averse to buying picks, especially if I'm in a league that's that's really active trading. But I would rather acquire players for the picks that I'm you know, like there are guys that I'd like, they're fine. The guys that I love are already gone by pick six. So once I'm once I'm beyond that, I'm I'm willing to trade. And if I can get a player in in an upper echelon, and I, I consider Devontae Smith to be in that kind of not the top tier of wide receiver, but he's up there. And you and you can do the same thing with, with running back. Like I'm not averse to go acquire some of those top tier guys with picks that everyone is is sure are gonna hit when I can acquire a player that I know is already established is already good. Yeah, absolutely. One other thought I had as you were talking through your process earlier, when does it end? When does your evaluation end? And do you ever circle back mid season, let's say of their rookie year or into the next non point scoring season? Talk me through just sort of the back part of your evaluation process. So absolutely. And, and I go back, not not just once, but I go back multiple times because I'm always trying to revise my process and revise what I'm what I'm looking at, and so it's and it's more to me more important to look at where I'm wrong and figure out why I'm wrong because if I'm right, that's fine. I'm right, like that, that was great. Um, but if I'm wrong, why was I wrong? Yeah. And so so again, players like. Uh, Oh, let me let me let me go back in the in the wayback machine and see if I can find some of these players that like I um, I really expected to be good but didn't. So like Rashad Bateman mm. was was one of the players. Like he was a he was a top. I think I had him like top four, and I was really expecting Bateman to come out and be great, and he just wasn't. And so I started looking at some of these players and what they had in common. And, and that Bateman archetype to me was he's open. I'm not sure how he got there, but he's open. And I found that a lot of the players that I was missing on, that's kind of the vibe. I know we're not drafting on vibes, but like that's that's yeah. kind of the like the write-up was. Well, you know, he he got there, he got open, but I, I'm not really sure how. And so that was a, a thing for a long time. It was going back and evaluating the the post up like vertical separators because that I don't think succeeds as often in the league. But you get this idea in your head, and if you if you talk to Peter. His perfect prospect in his model is Calvin Johnson. Like that's that's the standard is Calvin Johnson. We were so busy looking for Calvin Johnson, we weren't realizing that most of the guys who played like Calvin Johnson, like Calvin Johnson, weren't being successful because they're they're not creating that initial separation. The game changed. The the players got faster. The players got you know, they, they, they put a bigger, it, it's interesting. They put a bigger safety in at linebacker. They, they went to kind of the, the nickel and dime, like the junk defenses and, 
And so you had this really strange shift away from those big body jump ball receivers being successful to the guys who could be quick and, and get open. And so like going back and looking at, at players that I miss on and also players that, that you're successful with, but like, I, I think it's really important. And to me, it's more important in, with wide receiver because the wide receivers kind of control their targets with talent. I, I'm big on the Peter Howard. Like, I think he's proven that multiple times. He had to reprove it after COVID because everyone came in and they were like, vacated targets. It's a thing again. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for this. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's an annual tradition at this and, point. Yeah, and, and so, like, to me, it's a lot more important to go back and look at the wide receivers because the running backs – I think I can I can pretty much tell if a guy is a talented running back or not. What I can't tell is whether he's going to get opportunity, whether he's going to be injured. So there's not as much going back to that. Although I will say John Kelly is one of the biggest misses for me that I've ever had at running back. And I've gone back and and figured out that what John Kelly did that was so beautiful in college that you can't do in the NFL is invite contact. And so he would go out of his way to just mow guys over. You know, he would have five yards of space to his right and he would see a cornerback to his left and he would say, I am going to just plant that guy. And it was beautiful at Tennessee. Like there's a great gif. If you go search John Kelly, you get a bunch of the senator, but you'll also get this one gif of John Kelly, the running back, going to the left side of the line, stiff arming one defender, running over a second defender, stiff arming a third defender. And you're just like, how can you not love that? <laughs> but inviting contact in the NFL is a little different when you're, you know, when you're running up against some of these, you know, defensive linemen or linebackers that are just going to they're going to end you and so that was a real revelation to my kind of process too and the way I the way I look at running backs is it's not necessarily inviting contact it's it's you can deliver punishment but you're if you're seeking it out you're going to be in some trouble yeah did Trevor Lawrence when you were looking at him in college, did he develop year over year like you were mentioning earlier? And and where is the story going to end with him? Is he a good quarterback? So he was an interesting – I did not have the separation for him from the rest of that class like a lot of people did. Like Trevor Lawrence was, was very good, hmm. but to me he did not separate himself – quite as much as he did for other people. Like, I know Travis May had him as as his like his generational quarterback. Like, he's like this Trevor Lawrence coming out of college was his his guy. Uh but for me he was good. Like he was the top of that class, but there were also like another couple of quarterbacks who were right there with him and and so I don't know that we've seen the end of Lawrence, but I do think that a lot of what he, a lot of what he does, those like the untimely turnovers and kind of the, the, the stupid, like that's kind of 
what he is. Um, I also think that if you put, and no offense to Calvin Ridley and, and what he's had, but I think if you put a little better weapons around it, I mean, it's the same as any quarterback, like the, the, the better weapons you have. And, and offensive, man, offensive line, like offensive line play is so important in the NFL. And it's, it's such a weird thing too. And it's not something I evaluate at all, but it's, it's, it's almost something mystical about offensive line. And I, again, as a, a Patriots fan, you, everyone probably remembers the Bill Belichick were on to Cincinnati. So they got absolutely obliterated uh, early in the season. And what happened, the turnaround for that season was they went and got Dante Scarnecchia, who was like 90 years old at the time, <laughs> out of retirement to come coach the offensive line. Yeah. And all of a sudden the offensive line gelled. And not only were they on to Cincinnati, but they were on to the Super Bowl. And it, it's there's some witchcraft that that happens with with an offensive line and getting it to gel. And like, yeah, you need good players, but just having good players doesn't necessarily make your offensive line good. And I think that that's part of like Trevor Lawrence's issue is he tries to he, he and he's, he's always done this. He tries to do too much. Yep. Like, and, and I think that's one of the real flaws of being all uber talented is sometimes you think you can, you can do, it takes a big dog to eat a horse. Like you, you can't do everything all by yourself. You can't outplay 11 guys on the other side of the field. And he, he tends to try to do that, especially with a bad offensive line, get out of the pocket make a, a superhero throw and it's you know that's that's where we're at yeah. so at, at this at this point in the process last year where were you on uh bryce young i i like bryce young mm-hmm. like, like he he was uh he was my like he graded out as my my qb1 last year okay he was like half a point ahead of of stroud i did not like richardson as a quarterback yeah, as a as a fantasy asset, he is better than he is as a quarterback. Uh, and so, which is a weird this is a, this is a weird thing. So I grade for fantasy, except for my quarterback process doesn't really have a way to account for that. And I probably that's probably something I should go back and like rework. Maybe I'll wait stuff, but I don't do that right now. Right now, I just have categories and so like i'll have oddballs so anthony richardson was an oddball um and, and and um but yeah like i i really liked bryce young and and he did what he did in the sec he uh, was very accurate maybe not quite as accurate as as stroud but like he put the ball on players the big issue i had with bryce young and and where he struggled a ton and he did this year in, in Carolina too, is if you can get pressure in the middle on Bryce Young, he is in a lot of trouble. He doesn't he, like to leave the pocket. He does not like to get outside, which is really funny because you look at him and you're like, oh, he's he going to be like a little runner. scrambly guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like to get outside <laughs> of the pocket. And so if you can beat his interior lineman, he is in a lot of trouble. And, and that was kind of what I saw last year was – 
he he needs to have a good offensive line, and that that's one of the other tricky things about quarterbacks is you're being drafted by bad teams. Like, yeah. By and large, like you're you're if you're going top five, the teams that are drafting you are not very good. Right. Uh, Houston moving and shaking and putting together what they did was really impressive. But I still don't think they're a great team yet. Like no. I think they have pieces. But it's it's really hard, and it it's funny, like it's humbling to watch Bryce Young be so terrible, and and be like, yeah, he was my QB one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I, I mean, it really just kind of goes to show that the the story's not written. Yeah. Um, I and you know, here's the other thing. Like, yeah, they're gonna go to a bad team, but like, how often are they gonna end up? In a team, in this, uh, this I'm talking about Caleb Williams right now. So, how often are they going to go to a team that is not only extremely bad, but also just made themselves way worse to get you, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and 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 gave up your one potential weapon? In fact, (laughs) so uh, yeah, like this, the story's not not written, but. like I just I I kind of think that people are, um, want to close the book on Bryce Young, and I think I think that they they have wanted to, mm-hmm. like that was like my open, if you indulge me a minute, like my my open for the my Bryce Young write up last year was, after spending the last two years talking him up, the entire football community has decided to bury Bryce Young, which is unfortunate since at 510 he's not tall enough to see out of a grave (laughs) (laughs) it was a processing issue though and he was the slowest to check down to running backs as well which was bewildering to me like just check down the damn ball (laughs) but you get out of trouble but you've got to have you got to have players Tua, his Tua's first year he was the same way yeah and and like I have somewhere, I have a, a write-up or a tweet where I was like, look, Tua needs to get a, a wide receiver who gets quick separation. And as soon as they drafted Waddle, I'm like, this is beautiful. Like, that's exactly what he needs. Yep. And and so, to me, that's what, like, Bryce Young needs those players that get off the line quick. And, like, maybe that's an Alabama thing. Like, maybe their offense was like, this is this is what needs to happen you know, a thousand one, thousand two, pastor, shoot it. Let's go, like, get the ball out. And he's not able to do that with what he's got. I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to absolve him of all blame. But there's also like, if you don't have anything around you, it's hard to be a facilitator. Yeah, like he might have been processing faster than everyone. Like he was, yeah. he was checking down past uh, Lavisca Chenault. <laughs> and Terrace Marshall before they even broke the huddle, like that's how. Yeah. That's how <laughs> and I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I'm I'm wanting to buy Bryce Young. Yeah, this non-point scoring season, he's he's certainly a buy for me, just because he's hovering around QB eighteen to twenty now. The industry is done with him, and that's the perfect time to jump in because he was going yeah anywhere from one hundred two to one hundred five last year. Yeah, and I I got into him in the middle of last year because because he was so bad, 
and people were just like, oh, I'm done. And I'm like, yeah, come, come. I have some teams that are, are underperforming. I'll take Bryce Young and continue to underperform and get a quarterback that I think has potential for the future. Absolutely. So you mentioned the the hoot nanny is going to be happening. Tell us a little bit more about that. Some folks who are newer to Dynasty, I'm really excited for it. I can't wait for it to kick off. Yeah. So over on the Dynasty Dummies YouTube, also I think we're going to be out on the uh, the Fantasy Cares YouTube channel. We got the Dynasty Dummies podcast. It's me. It's J. Mike, who is the much better uh, half of the Dynasty Dummies. And he is, a, he is such an underrated rookie evaluator. He's really good. Uh, he may actually be better than me, but don't tell him I said that. He'll be very <laughs> embarrassed. And, and Matt Foreman, who is, is fantastic as well. And so we all three will go down through. We'll probably do two wide receiver shows, two running back shows, a quarterback and tight end show, and then a catch-all. Last year we did two catch-alls because there were a lot of people that were asking for a lot of other players. They they needed us to get to Puka, you know. That's <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and so that's it'll probably be it'll probably be six shows. It may be seven. We got plenty of time to the draft is until the end of April, so we got we got time. Um, but it's it's we just go down through and and tell you what we see. We don't tell you that we're right we don't tell you that we know more than anybody else because we don't we're the dummies we fully acknowledge that but i do think we we put a lot of eyes on on players we we put a uh, a lot of time into it and have revised and and kind of worked the the process that we use to to film evaluate for quite a while and we we've gotten it down so we're we're better than we were by quite a bit that's awesome, man. I can't wait for it. And I just, this is what makes me love this part of the non-point scoring season is getting some exposure from smart folks like you who, who know what they're talking about. So I got, I got nothing but gratitude for you coming on and letting all the super friends know a little bit more about this draft class. Oh, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talked about this off air or in, in DMS maybe, but, um, we're going to have to bring you back on uh, maybe post draft, maybe close to the draft, something like that. We're, we're we need to have at least one more conversation with you uh, once we get a little bit more information on these rookies, but um, it's kind of, it, it, it's, it makes it super interesting to, to, like we said at the top, to kind of compartmentalize um, the players themselves and the talent and, uh, you know, the, the trajectory that they're on and then, and then add in that missing piece of draft capital and landing spot. So definitely need to, uh, to talk with you again and, uh, see where you're at with these players once, uh, once, once they're wearing NFL jerseys. Yeah. If, if you say Beetlejuice three times, I'll just show up. It'll be great. <laughs> I only had to say it once. That's. <laughs> I was, I was, I was sitting there, I was listening to your show. I was watching some rookie film, and all of a sudden, I like, I hear, I get called out. I'm like, yeah, I like, I, I'll, I'll come on. Like, we can talk rookies. I mean, it's early, but whatever. Does that yeah. get old for you? I imagine people do that all the time with your name, because I mean, you're you're a big name in this in this space. 
I'm not as not I'm not I'm not though. Like that's the funny thing is like it's the I I I have a a very small list of followers, but they're it's very distinguished. Mm-hmm. So like I'm 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 happy about it. I I I like to say I kind of cultivate my timeline. I every now and then I'll drop like Rob Dignagian or Lilliputian. You know I'll drop I'll drop something or I'll I'll. I'll <laughs> And, and it really kind of cultivates the the timeline really well. Or or I'll talk, you know, I'll talk Daniel Kahneman and and uh, and that sort of thing. So it, it's I'm I'm not I'm absolutely not a big name, but uh, have a lot of fun doing it. And I like I love. So I don't mean to hijack the end of your show, but like I love, and I know John, you you have gotten to the point where you like Twitter is not what it used to be and it's not but I, like i still get some really great interactions on twitter yep. i get some really great dms on twitter i get really great interactions when we do live shows uh on wednesday nights with the with the grind with peter howard like it's still to me this community is awesome and i know that there are like some parts of it that are not great and i know there's some point but like look we still got really nice parks we got a great school system. No, like the, the, the dynasty fantasy football community is awesome. You see it come together with, with fantasy cares every year. You see it come together with the Scott Fishbowl. I've been the last three years now to the fantasy football expo in Canton. Unbelievable. Like unbelievable. Everything bad about Twitter melts away and you're just like <laughs> scrolling the good parts of your timeline in real life. And like, like that entire weekend, I don't think I touched my phone other than when I go to back to the hotel room and like tweet about how amazing it was that I just saw everybody and I get to see them again in six hours because it's now way too late, you know? And, and so like that to me, I don't like, I still get geeked up when people mention me it, like it, with you guys. Like I was like, dude, me, like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I'll come, like, this is awesome. Let's go. And, and so like, I don't, it's not a, it's not a uh, old hat and it's not something that I expect. It's always unexpected. And it's always like, like goosebumps and like, you, you real like me, like, really? Like it's still imposter syndrome. It's still that, but it's also like this community and, and a lot of the people in it, you know, you guys and J Mike and Russ and John bought like, it's become this family for me. Mm-hmm. It's become this, like, I don't have very many friends here, like in real life, like Maine is kind of a weird state uh, because like Portland South, it's really liberal. Uh, and North of Portland, it's very blue collar and working class and not as liberal. And it's just an interesting place for me as like a an athletic academic, which is a weird thing in itself. <laughs> and so like to be able to find my people online through this game about a game that is just completely stupid. But awesome. <laughs> like it's like that, that to me, like that part of it, like, and, and to be, be like, quasi valuable member of that community like that's that's awesome like to me that's just 
oh, that's it. So it's not a, it's not a, oh, it gets old. It doesn't. It, it's fun. And it's, and it's being able to like, this is the first time you and I, Tommy, have, have spoken. I've listened to you a ton and I've, I, I've shouted you out a ton on, on the Dynasty Dummies because I think like a lot of what you do is just absolutely brilliant and like turning things on its head. And, and like John and I have been friends for ever. It seems Years. like, like yeah. yeah. And, and so like, this is like this in microcosm is what, the entire community is for me it's like man it's family it's like friends it's it's i get to i get to be in a place where like i belong which is cool and do something that i enjoy and talk about it with people that i enjoy yep. totally so yeah. yeah i'll be back is what i that's that was really the, the short <laughs> <laughs> love it love it yeah so everyone listening follow zach at tacit assassin 13 he's he's a great follow on on twitter even if it is a dying platform <laughs> if if i i really just kind of think it's just the wrong tool for what we're trying to do but yeah, yeah. it's it, it can be so much fun um it, it some of the algorithm stuff changing has kind of slowed me down like it's, I, it's I, so good I need to subscribe apparently because now I'm just shouting into the void uh, for the most part. But it's also just, uh, yeah, I mean, like I never see Tommy's tweets. Um, <laughs> like that just. You're not missing anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like the fact that, that that gets lost to the algo, that's like, that's, that's pretty bad. This is like one of my, this is my co-host. This is one of my good friends. Like I want to hear what he's got to say. Um, Have you had the, the like unfollow, like the phantom unfollow? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So like for, like for the longest time I was like, man, I'm not seeing anything Russ or Peter Howard tweet. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't following either of them. I'm like, I've been following Peter since he had 400 people following him. Yeah. He's got like 20,000, like, what happened oh god now i'm worried that that happened to me but yeah like (laughs) i'm just like all right who who all did i unfollow and they got pissed (laughs) off and unfollowed me and yeah just yeah um but yeah that's why we still shout out x because it, it there's there is a lot of good to it um the big thing is it's fun um it's it's what keeps me going it's it's, uh, you know, being able to catch up with, um, with my friends, uh, you know, my longtime friends like you, Zach, um, it, it, it's being able to talk to the super friends and DMS. Um, while I, I don't think that the public forum side of, of Twitter is a, is a particularly good fantasy football tool, uh, the DMS can get really interesting. Um, and really useful. And a lot of that stuff comes straight onto the podcast. So like that's, that part is, uh, that part, it, it keeps it fun. And uh, I always, always, and I know these guys are the exact same way. Always welcome those DMs on Twitter. So yeah, he's at Tacit Assassin 13. Uh, and what else, man? We've kept you here way too long. We need to wrap it up for you. So <laughs> I know it's it's late for both of you guys. But again, Zach, just really appreciate you taking the time. I can't wait to do it again, man. Oh, me too. And it's not like 
you're not putting me out. You're not putting me out of my way. It's always a pleasure to be here. It was, Tommy, great to finally put a face to the voice that I listen to, to, to the, the mind that I'm always tweeting back and forth with. John's great to see you again. I can't wait to be back. Like I'm, I'm ready. Let's, we could run it back. We could do just it. Do it. <laughs> just, yeah. just next week. And then, yeah. Other <laughs> now, next week is J Mike. Um, I haven't yeah. asked him, but uh, I just said it publicly. Should, so you should is. jump, you should jump over to, I think he's on trade addicts right now. You could jump over into their live chat and invite him on from oh, their live go. chat. That would be, <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> we're just the problem is we're just raising the bar like at some point this is going to cost me a lot of money when i have to buy a super bowl ad to invite when you find <laughs> someone you find someone real yeah, yeah. <laughs> i might even do that for peter just because <laughs> he needs to come on here too but yeah but, but he's he's the least likely to see it that's the funny part um all right, let's wrap this one up for the week. But yeah, always, always so much fun, Zach, and can't wait to do it again. As we wrap this one up, if you do us a huge favor, rate and review the Superflex Super Show wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, while you're at it, you can also subscribe to the DLF uh, Family of Podcasts Mega Feed. Get access to all those great podcasts. But uh, yeah, once you subscribe to the Super Show, like I said, give us a rating and review. Really helps us to. Reach out to more people, involve more people in the conversation. From there, we can really drill down to the topics that are the most useful to you, our super friends. Even when it's rookies, we just showed you. We'll talk rookies. We won't. We we, we actually, I can't even say we won't like it because this was fun. So we'll, we're willing to do this. We're just uh, we just need help from people who know a little bit more about it uh, to make it a worthwhile conversation. Uh, you can get at us on Twitter as well. Like I said, Zach's at Tassie Assassin 13. He's at Tommy's at FF Tommy B, and I'm at Superflex Dude. Always happy to, like I said, uh, talk in DMs. We can also retweet, retweet trade polls, um, respond to mentions, whatever you've got for us. Share us your thoughts. Uh, share us your share with us your questions, uh, and uh, help us to uh, really kind of curate the the most useful topics for you here on the podcast this episode was dedicated in loving memory to james brankatulis thank you to dlf for the platform thank you to heart and soul radio for the music special thank you to zach reed for joining us and above all else thank you for listening and until next week stay sexy and super flexy yeah.